This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got a few nerds with me today. Fellow Get Connected team members, John Beeler and Graham Williams. Thanks for coming in. Always glad to be here. we got a cool show today. So uh, I don't know if you've been following the price uh, wars. Well, I don't know if it's a war. Changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big uh, three carriers have uh, come out with higher data plans. Yep. So uh, starting at around 75 bucks, you get uh, 10 gigs. And depending who you go with, it's unlimited. Kind of unlimited. Yes. 10 gigs at full speed, and then anything after that, it gets throttled down. Yeah. So I don't know how usable that is, but we're going to find out because you know what? I've got the president of TELUS Mobility in the next segment, Ooh. Jim Senko, to talk about these new plans. I, I will say I made the switch. Did you? I did. I, I, was, I was on a previous share anything plan before, and I was paying about 350 bucks a month. I am now paying 290 with five times the data. That's like Netflix to infinity. Right? Awesome. <laughs> are you, what plan are you on? Oh, you've got a crazy plan. I've got a crazy, good plan, six gigs for 40 bucks. Wow. How do I get that? I want that. You get in your DeLorean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that with? Uh, that's with Kudo. That was Kudo. A, that was a public mobile uh, changeover to us DLE that they offered for like five minutes. And, and you get Canada wide calling. Canada wide. Yeah. <laughs> but when's the last time you've called anyone Canada wide? <laughs> <laughs> I've made more calls internationally than okay. I have locally. <laughs> there you go. Also in today's program, uh, we'll be talking to Shruti Shikar about the latest. Huawei updates, crazy stuff is going on. Trump is saying that U.S. companies can deal with Huawei again, but a lot of U.S. government officials are saying no. What does it mean? We'll tell you. And uh, I'm going to do a Tesla update. I bought a Tesla Model 3, and I'm going to uh, give my uh, impressions of the car so far and the overall experience. And there's some really interesting things uh, that you need to hear about that. Uh, Let's talk about some of the news uh, out in the tech world, guys. This was an interesting one. We talk a lot about cameras everywhere now. A lot of governments are putting them everywhere. China, they've got millions. UK, they've got gazillions of them. And they've had them there forever. Yeah, I mean, if you ever watch any cop show in the UK, they can't solve any crime without the CCTV cameras. Once they get the footage there, the crime is solved. I don't even know why you need half an hour or an hour for a a UK (laughs) cop show or crime show anymore. They showed up in Hot Fuzz. They showed up in Doctor Who. Fair enough. Everywhere. So this is interesting. So they're looking at some of the data from the UK Metropolitan Police, and they're saying that these cameras, they've had them over 10 locations since 2016. They've uh, got an 81% error rate as far as facial recognition. So these cameras identified 42 suspects, only eight of which were real suspects. The others were not. They were innocent people. Sucks to be them. When you said 81%, I'm like, oh, 81% success rate, and then no, 81% failure. Basically misidentifying people. Yes. Now, now, here's the thing. I mean, we could flip the bit on this and look at this the other way. This is eight suspects successfully identified. The question is, what's the process if you were not actually a suspect and it picks you out of the crowd? I mean, fortunately, this is in the UK, so they're probably not filling you full of hot lead. Hopefully. Taking you to a detention center somewhere <laughs> up, up north. Uh, so, you know, this has been a problem over there as well. South Wales, uh, they uh, misidentify 2,300 people as potential criminals. That's not a small number. But uh, the Metropolitan Police saying, you know, it's not a fair assessment of the technology because uh, their technology is scanning tens of thousands of, uh, of people. And they say the error rate is uh, just 0.1% when you look at how many faces they've scanned. So I get that, right? They're scanning tens of thousands. What they're glomming on on is the 42 that were identified as suspects, only eight of which were real ones. But how many suspects did they let go? 
or did it, they not catch all of those tens of thousands of faces because this crappy system doesn't work properly? And how do you get out of being a suspect if you're not? It's a good well, question. There's a TV show on that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Clune stars as misidentified. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is another interesting story. All these smartphones nowadays are coming with these water resistant or waterproof ratings. I think the highest one is IP68. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Roughly around there, yeah. 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 Most phones are IP67, IP68. Yeah. Nowadays. So uh, in Australia, the uh, consumer protection organization there is basically going after Samsung saying that it ain't so. Like Mm. you're advertising these phones as water resistant, but you're not telling the whole story. So the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, the ACCC, is taking Samsung to court over this. So Samsung uh, claims... uh, with the IP68 rating, that uh, their phones can be submerged in, I think, one and a half meters of water for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But what they're not saying is that that's kind of clean water. Like, it's a whole different ballgame if it gets submerged in the ocean or a pool full of chemicals and chlorine. Yep. doesn't work the same. So, so here's, here's, here's the real question, right? This is a PR disaster for all the companies that are involved. I would imagine that the majority of these phones that go out are not coming back for warranty repairs related to water resistance. What gets me is the few that do, instead of biting the bullet and just replacing these phones, they decide to fight it, and then you end up in court. This is the stupidest thing for a company to do. Suck it up and take the loss on this phone. Yeah, like for the 100 phones that probably come back. Yeah. Because... The water resistance didn't work well. Guys, do the right thing. Do the smart thing. I mean, here, you can cut me a check. I'll give you the consultation right now. Just exchange the phones. <laughs> How much is your consultation fee? It's a free phone. I dropped my water. Oh, God. And I see, I see where we're going with this. Uh, let's go way back now. How we used to listen to music. Record players, CD players, and of course, cassettes. Nice. You had a Walkman. I did. It's coming back, baby. Uh, there's a company called Nim Labs. And they've got something called the It's Okay cassette player. It's just okay. It's just okay. (laughs) So this is a portable little cassette player that uh, is, I guess, modified for today times. Okay. It's got Bluetooth built in. Handy. Yeah. So you can use like your your AirPods or your wireless headphones. Graham, finally, (laughs) I know you just moved and you, I know you've probably found that box of cassettes. It's go time. It's my Guns and Roses, you know. That new kids on the block tape that I pretended I don't have. That mixtape from the high school? That thing was straight fire. I'll tell you that much. That's unreal. Bluetooth and a Walkman. I mean, I thought the whole thing, the charming part of a Walkman was having this, you know, garishly yellow thing clipped onto your belt uh, with, you know, this this trailing wire up to a pair of cheap, acceptable headphones. With a giant orange foam. Right? Oh, man, that's great. Fantastic. I'm excited to see cassettes coming back. I mean, I've got my vinyl collection. I can only hope that as we progress through... You know, we've done vinyl now. We're doing cassettes next. If we get back to mini disc, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm waiting for a track to come back. <laughs> I know everyone has romantic notions of these cassette tapes and a track tapes. They sucked, guys. They sucked. It's way better now. Yeah. Music subscription, way better. Can listen anywhere, way better. Well, I'm going to ask you if your subscription stops streaming for whatever reason, can you stick a pen into it and wind it and make it work again? I don't think so. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> Weirdo. Okay, so this is another interesting story I came across. I didn't know about this. Canon, uh, they're doing uh, the crowdfunding way of launching a new product. I guess that's the trendy way. So they've got this new call, uh, a new camera. And I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. It's called the Ivy Rec 
or I guess REC, R-E-C stands for record. Yes. And so this is like a, a cross between like a thumb stick. It's very tiny. It's tiny. It looks like a carabiner almost that yeah. has a camera on it. And it's got a viewfinder too, or like a little... Well, well I think that's the, the carabiner part because oh, okay. it's meant to be clipped on got to it. something. So presumably this is some kind of action camera? I don't know. It, uh, it can take 13 megapixel still photos and shoot video at 1080p at 60 frames a second, which is not bad. But... What Why? is this for? So, I don't so, know. This actually kind of appeals to me a little bit, right? I do a lot of adventure travel. I go to festivals and things like that. And carrying a phone with me is not something that I typically want to do, but I want to be able to record the moment. And, you know, having a $1,500 iPhone in my hand or my pocket, if I'm going to drop it into one meter of water for 30 minutes, is probably a bad thing. So this little device, depending on the price of it, if I was able to clip it onto things and still be able to get cool action shots relatively quickly... I would, I would feel great carrying this with me. I would take it with me everywhere. So this is kind of a fun little, you know, I want to record the moment. I don't want to pull my phone out. I don't want to make a big deal out of getting a, getting a, a picture. And I also don't want to put more expensive equipment in danger. I could actually see the benefit here. Now you can take crappy pictures with this little thumbstick. Boom, you've got it. Bam. We still got more to talk about here on Get Connected. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking data plans. We've got Jim Senko from TELUS. He's the president of Telus Mobility to talk about their new plans. Uh, 75 bucks for unlimited data. Plus, uh, we'll be talking Tesla. My overall uh, impressions over the first month of uh, owning one of them. Uh, some of the uh, the good things and some of the bad things. And uh, we'll be getting a Huawei update. Uh, Trump is saying one thing. His government is saying another. Who's right? You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, broadcasting across Canada. Let's talk about data now. We uh, all use our smartphones, and more and more, we're crunching through more of uh, data. I uh, know I, I hit uh, regularly uh, close to 10 gigabytes myself. Well, TELUS uh, has announced uh, a few new plans that uh, I think might be appealing to uh, some of the more data-hungry folks uh, out there. On the line, we've uh, got the president of TELUS Mobility. His name is Jim Senko. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Hey, my pleasure, Mike. Glad to be here. So a lot of announcements uh, from uh, you folks uh, this week, uh, not only new plans, but new financing. Let's let's start with the financing uh, side, Jim. Uh, how's that all working? Yeah, Mike, uh, we're really excited. And we, we've tried to bring three really powerful things to, out to the market together. So one is our easy payment, which is our financing. Secondly, our, our peace of mind rate plans, which are our no overage plans. And lastly, our family discount. The financing component or our easy payment is basically providing our clients the option for $0 devices across our entire portfolio, 365 days a year with uh, 0% financing. Plus, we're providing our customers with other options. So, for example, they could pay a little bit more upfront and less monthly, um, or they can get zero upfront options. So, really excited about that. And we're excited about how all three of these programs work together. So literally a customer could pick any phone that they want now and, and basically finance that over a couple of years. That's right. It's all over 24 months, 0% financing. It gives our customers a ton of choice to balance you know, their device needs versus their affordability. And, and also it creates complete transparency. So we're separating out the payment for the device from the payment for the network. And you know, customers have been asking for that for a long time and we're really 
glad to be giving that to them. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, the plans uh, that you uh, folks have come out uh, with uh, as well. And, you know, that's, you know, we get a lot of feedback from our listeners, uh, you know, when they're trying to find a, uh, a plan for their cell phone, it gets pretty confusing. There's literally dozens, if not hundreds of different variations to uh, smartphone plans uh, out there. What have you guys done to simplify that? Oh, I'm, and I'm glad you asked that. Um, we think that this is an amazing win-win. You know, just a couple of weeks ago in the old pricing model, a customer a customer would have had to navigate over 200 different rate plans, which is just confusing. Our new simplified suite has six uh, rate plans. That's it. Really simple and transparent. And it's also very clear and separate from the device pricing. And we thought it was an amazing win-win. It's great for our customers, but it's also great for us because that complexity would result in more calls into our call centers or Customers taking needing to take longer in our stores to process a, an upgrade or, or an activation. And so, you know, the very thing that's creating a better experience for our customer is creating a better experience for our employees. And uh, and, and so we, we're really excited about that, that we win on both sides of that equation. Well, let's uh, quickly look at some of these plans. Uh, one of them uh, is the peace of mind plan. How does that one work? Yeah, so we we have three peace of mind plans starting at $75. The $75 plan provides 10 gigabits of high-speed data. When the customer hits their end of their bucket, they their speeds would be slowed down, 512 kilobits per second. We picked that, that speed to slow down very purposefully because at that speed, all the kind of core functions of the phone still work. Like you can still have a great web browsing experience or social media experience, you can even stream music. What we're trying to do though is ensure that the network quality is great for everyone and we want to make sure that that one person who's doing 300 hours of video consumption is not <laughs> uh, you know, causing problems for everybody else using the network. And, and I'd like to also say that, you know, we picked 512 kilobits per second versus our competitors, which are 256, because it really does make a meaningful difference in terms of the experience after the customer hits their data bucket. So if they do hit, if they do hit the maximum, yeah. it, it does get throttled down to 512 kilobits yeah. as far as the data transfer speed. But you're basically saying that's still great for web browsing, email, and even streaming music. You know, video might be a little bit tougher, but they can still do 90% of what they need to do. Exactly. And, and it creates the right balance between maintaining a really great network experience for everyone, but also allowing an individual user to have a useful device after they hit their bucket. So it then goes up, uh, is it, I believe, to $95? Correct. There's a, a, a $95 plan and then there's a $125 plan. So we accept 10 gigs, 20 gigs, 50 gigs in the bucket. And then we also are providing three sharing plans that, that mimic the peace of mind plan. So 75, 95, 125, and those those plans have the same data in them, but they are shareable. So those so basically, what we've heard from our customers are some families like non-shareable plans, and they want uh, no overage because they don't want their kids to draw from their bucket. Some families want shareable plans so they can share uh, the data across all the users. We're providing our customers both options. So with the shareable plans, so for example, if there were three people in my family. Uh, we got the the ten gigabyte plans, and three of us got that. Then we'd have thirty gigabytes to share, right? That's correct. Yeah. And from what I understand as well, there's also discounts uh, on the family plans. The more members you bring in, uh, it reduces the monthly price per person. That's right. That's the third component of the program, which is our family discount. Basically, a family of four can get sixty dollars a month in in terms of a discount for the account. So the way it works is, if you add one family member 
both family members get a $5 discount. If you add two family members, all three get a $10 discount. And if you add three family members, all four get a $15 discount. We think the plans provide amazing value, right? Like, so it's a good price point. It's providing a no overage option. There's the family discount and complete transparency on the devices. And of course, all of our devices, you have a $0 option on. Put together, I think it, it's an amazing value proposition for our customers. Is 10 gigabytes going to be enough for people out there? I mean, what's the average usage? Do you have numbers? Yeah, so today the average usage is under 3 gigs. We believe that it's you know, a good amount of data. But we're also doing this because we're getting ready for 5G. And 5G will be coming out later next year. And these plans are really kind of future-proofed for 5G. And in a 5G world, when data speeds are 10 times faster, that's when you'll start to see people moving from 3 gigs to to 10 gigs and super users will want to step up to those higher higher rate plans. To give you an example, you know, downloading a Netflix video on 4G would take three minutes, will take 30 seconds on, on 5G. So, you know, we're doing this because we know that, you know, the network is going to be evolving over the course of the next year or so, and we want to future-proof the rate plans for 5G. As far as the 5G networks uh, go, you're saying roughly in about a year we'll start seeing a rollout of that? That's correct. You'll start to see um, 5G um, functionality coming out um, in 2020. Will there be additional charges to use the uh, the 5G network, or basically these plans will work with that? These plans will work with 5G. We're talking with Jim Senko. He's the president of TELUS Mobility. Jim, where can people find out more information about all this? Uh, if people just go to www.telus.com, they can see all of our rate plans on our beautiful new website. So it, it's really simple and I think they'll really enjoy it. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, thanks for having me, Mike. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking Tesla and also our Huawei update as well. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. We're back with Get Connected, Mike and John here in studio. Coming up later in the program, we're going to get our Huawei update. What is happening there? Donald Trump is saying stuff. The U.S. government saying different stuff. Well, we'll get the lowdown from Shruti Shakar from MobileSyrup.com. Uh, and especially if you own a Huawei smartphone, it's a segment that you really should listen to. John, I want to do an update uh, on my whole Tesla experience so far. You know, I've talked about it on a few episodes so far. Yes. And uh, looking back now and reflecting on the overall experience, I've got a few, uh, few notes. A few notes. A few notes. So uh, back in June, I purchased a Tesla Model 3. And overall... It is a fantastic car. I just love it. It's a spaceship. It is a spaceship. I, I I can't even explain how giddy with excitement I am every time I get into it, especially knowing that I'm saving truckloads of money on gas because I was spending like at least 500 bucks a month on gas. Yes. So uh, a few things uh, about the experience overall. Uh, I do like that you don't have to go in and haggle. You know what I mean? The price is set. Yes. That is a nice feature because that's that actually can be anxiety inducing for a lot of people having to haggle. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I hated going in to buy an, uh, a new car or going to a car dealership. So the only challenge though is the people that they have staffing the showrooms. I feel like they went down to an Apple store, rounded up a bunch of the kids there and said, hey, do you want to sell cars? And then put them into the Tesla store. And so I just feel like I'm not dealing with the uh, higher end of... Uh, I guess, experienced car people. Right. But they're is, good at going through the screens in the showroom with you to pick out the different accessories with you. But it's more like an iPad than a car, though, isn't it? 
Well, it's still a car. Well, yeah, it's a car, but you have to charge it. Yes. You have to tether it. Yes, sometimes I have to reboot it. (laughs) You have to do a firmware update. Yes. It keeps asking me for uh, a Wi-Fi connection. There you go. (laughs) To do like a a software update. But so, John, they're so busy right now with all these EV incentives. Uh, It was $10,000 total when I got my car. And since then, it's gone down because the provincial government lowered yes. uh, it from five to three thousand. The federal one's still there for five thousand. Right. So overall, you'd get eight thousand off. Right. A Model Three, just Tesla. still a great deal. It's fantastic, but because they're so busy, and I feel like it's just a bunch of kids running the place. I'm just not getting the top end of service. Like I had a few issues when I got my car. There was a few scuffs on the seat and uh, the back of the seat, and I still haven't got that rectified. So you just haven't been able to escalate it high enough up the chain? No, like I'm busy. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm going through the Tesla channels. I've found out who I have to email, but it just takes days, if not like weeks for them to get back to me. Have you tweeted Elon? You know, do I want to get into that? No. But, you know, through the whole process, again, I appreciate what they're trying to do. They're trying to change how we buy cars. But again, I just feel like it's a bunch of kids running the place. That... They vaguely know what they're doing. Right. Well, it's a very different experience, and I'm sure they're not hiring the same type of people that they would get at a car lot. No. And even the Tesla lot here is not your traditional car lot. No, it's like a storefront that has three cars in it, and underground they've got a few models for you to test drive, like in the underground parking lot that you can take out. Yeah. So A-plus for the car, C, C C-plus for the overall buying experience so far. Right. So moving on to charging, that's a whole other thing. Uh, I still haven't got a charger installed in my house. No. I'm still working on that whole system because I have issues with my electrical panel. But you know what I found? It's not a big deal because you can still plug this into a regular 110 volt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it slow? Yes. You're only getting about six to eight kilometers an hour. So overnight, you're lucky if you get, you know, 50 or 60 K added to the, the battery charge. Which, you know, is not bad for having to do nothing. No. And I found that, you know, when I come downtown, if I'm feeling that I'm just needing that extra boost, there are so many of these chargers around. Most of them you have to pay for now, which right. is which is okay. It's like three bucks an hour. But you don't have to pay for parking, though. That's no, the thing I learned no. when about you, this process. When you sit in these parking spots, uh, and there are a lot of them in the parkades and stuff around, yeah, you just pay for the electricity. And the parking is free. But again, you can't park there all day. You can only park there as long as your car is charging. Right. So typically that's anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending how low your battery is. So does your Tesla app alert you that your car is charged? Yep. And then you have to go and get it out of there? Yeah. Okay. Well, it... Or move it around in the parking lot? Yeah, it says it's finished charging. So uh, I could be a jerk and just let it sit there. But I mean, the spots are limited, right? Right. Like the one I go to, there's two spots. And I appreciate it when people do move along after they've right. finished charging. But, you know, in the outer lying areas, out where I live, out in White Rock, the, the local South Surrey Library, they've got two chargers there free. That's great. So when I go for Starbucks or I do a bit of grocery shopping or if I go, uh, you know, to one of the little restaurants around there, I just pop it in there and I get like a charge, you know, a couple hours and I'm, I'm back up top again. Hmm. So... You know, I was worried that I didn't have the charger installed in my house yet, like the, you know, the the better charger, but it's not a big deal. No, no, no. How do you, are are you concerned about people playing with your charger? The thing I notice is when you go buy these cars, they all have this charger plug hanging off of it, 
you're not getting it out. It's locked in there. Is it? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Because I'm frustrated sometimes uh, at my house. Like I go in the morning to unplug it because I'm actually charging it outside. I'm running a cable from my garage right. under my garage door to the, the car. And, you know, I, I try to pull it out, but I can't until I unlock the car. Right. So I got to go to the front of the car okay. and unlock the door. I didn't then, know that. And then it all works. Hmm. Yeah, because I was worried too because... Um, they seem very vulnerable on the street or yes. in the parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you rip that thing out, I mean, you'd be breaking it. And I don't even know how easy that would be yeah it is locked in there yeah okay so overall it's been an interesting experience i still got to get the charger into my house i don't have enough uh spots on my breaker box so i have to come up with this crazy solution which i will talk about in later segments but tesla if you're listening uh the buying experience you got to work on that you got to be more responsive to customers the after sales care and the after sales care yeah yes yeah anyway have you played any more of the games yeah, they've got, I've told you this, right? Yeah, they've yeah. got the games like Tempest and Asteroids and but Gravatar. They had some new one that you can play with I your gotta, steering I wheel. I got to hook it up to Wi Fi. Oh, okay. It's got a cellular connection to the car that does the security and important safety right. updates. But for stuff like that, you need to be near Wi Fi. Right. And so where I park my car in front of my house, my Wi Fi doesn't get out there. Right. So I tried tethering it to my phone, but it looks like it's a giant upload. So I'm not going to use my data <laughs> on, on that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we've got more to talk about here on today's program. Of course, we've got uh, our uh, skill of the week for Alexa voice assistant owners out there. And uh, coming up here, we're going to find out what's going on with Huawei. Can they uh, work with the U.S. again? Trump says yes. U.S. government officials say no. We'll get the lowdown on that. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, lots of news uh, on the Huawei front uh, here in Canada and abroad uh, over the past week. Donald Trump uh, over in uh, the G20 talking with uh, Chinese officials uh, made a statement saying that Huawei would be able to buy U.S. parts again, uh, but it seemed to cause some confusion uh, back in the U.S. Well, to help us understand all of that, we've uh, got one of our mobile experts, Shruti Shakar from MobileSyrup.com on the line. Thanks for joining us, Shruti. Thanks for having me, Mike. So what's going on? Uh, Trump basically said uh, over at the the G20 that uh, Huawei would be allowed to buy American uh, parts uh, for their smartphones uh, again, uh, but uh, now U.S. officials seem to be a little confused about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a little uh, shocking and surprising. Uh, I mean, well, not really surprising because, as you know, uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump sort of decides things on a whim and will tweet it out, and that's sort of his decision, and then will retract the tweet. So it's it's not surprising that we were getting this, but essentially, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, he did offer uh, some sort of a olive branch, if you will, uh, to uh, Chinese President uh, Xi Jinping um, in Osaka, Japan, and he confirmed that Huawei would now be allowed to resume business and purchase parts from U.S. companies. He didn't confirm whether or not Huawei would be allowed to operate in the U.S., so there's that aspect of it all. But in the meanwhile, you know, now that Trump has sort of said all of this, um, the U.S. Commerce Department is like, well, so how are we going to be dealing with uh, you know, any requests that are coming for licensing uh, in order to do business with Huawei. And uh, apparently Reuters reported that John Sonderman, the deputy director of the Office of Export Enforcement in the Commerce Department's Bureau of Industry and Security, that's a long one, uh, basically has clarified that 
Huawei should still be treated as a blacklisted company, regardless of what the president has said. <laughs> so they can't buy U.S. parts? <laughs> I I guess I don't. It's really it's weird because in this uh, in is a note that uh, the senior official has said he says quote this party is on the entity list evaluate the associated license renew policy under part 744 uh, and then he sort of gave the entity list to all the enforcement officers uh, the staff uh, in the commerce department and and also said that they should be taking into con- uh, what his department is saying so it, it's definitely a little weird there have been no statements from the white house or uh mr trump um so it's yeah it's, i i I'm not sure <laughs> where, where it all stands now. I well, really don't know. Yeah, because I was surprised, uh, you know, earlier this week when I saw, you know, the uh, the tweets from uh, Mr. Trump uh, about uh, allowing U.S. companies to do business with uh, Huawei again. You know, I wasn't uh, really uh, uh, in depth as to what that meant. Uh, you know, still didn't know if like Google would be allowed to, you know, license the Android operating system to them again uh, after August. That's still not clear. And uh, do you think we're going to get clarification? I think we will get clarification. Um, but I think, you know, it's really important to take everything. I, I know it's really hard to say the statement, but it's really important to take everything that the president says on Twitter or in media announcements with a grain of salt, I feel, until an official document or release has been made um, and has been signed by the president and other officials. Uh, I remember reading uh, almost three years ago, uh, shortly after the president was elected uh, and people were sort of going crazy over uh, his tweet saying, you know, should we believe them? Should we not believe them? And and I remember reading that, you know, it, it's worth taking it all with a grain of salt because really there needs to be official documentation. I do feel like that clarification will come in the coming days. Um, you know, we're approaching uh, August in in a month's time, and that was the original deadline for when uh, the Commerce Department had sort of set in stone for all companies working with Huawei to say, hey, listen, you should figure out, you know, an alternative uh, vendor or alternative business uh, partner that you want to work with. Um, but I, but now things have changed. So, you know, I, I, I do think that something will come up because this is this is pretty confusing. Meanwhile, in Canada, uh, it looks like Huawei has launched uh, a number of uh, TV commercials uh, here to, uh, I guess, promote the future and, and I, I guess, sway public opinion? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's just the one TV ad, um, and it's going to be rolled out on uh, specialty uh, TV channels as well as on its social channels, and it's only for the month of July, from my understanding. It's like a 30-second ad. Uh, depicting like the past and then uh, sort of future. Uh, if you look at the date that's in the video, it's like 2025. Uh, but it's, it's it's an interesting ad. You know, it sort of depicts the um, new. It depicts new technology, advanced smart devices, like or what Huawei believes advanced smart devices will look like. Uh, an example from the scene would be uh, a woman is in her car and her, her father calls. And she sort of swipes on the window of her car to answer the phone call, sort of depicting like where IOTs will go, where smart devices can go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, another effort that that the Canadian division has been making to uh, share its commitment towards the country. Uh, recently, I had written about how it had 
uh, done a joint partnership with ICE Wireless to deploy internet connections uh, and 4G LTE connections in rural and northern Canadian communities. And uh, we've also reported that Huawei has partnered with ABC Communications. So it's interesting to see how, you know, despite the tensions or confusions that are happening in the U.S. and in China, um, you know, Canada, the Canadian Huawei division is, seems to be running business as per usual. We're talking with Shruti Shikar from MobileSyrup.com. Uh guess our, our latest Huawei update, still confusion about Trump's uh, earlier announcement that says uh, U.S. companies will be allowed to do business as far as uh, providing uh, materials and parts and technology, but we'll have to get more clarification uh, over the next uh, week or so. Thanks for joining us, Shruti. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. It's skills time for those uh, Amazon Echo Speaker owners out there that have the Alexa voice assistant, we've uh, got some skills to take it to the next level. What do you got, John? Well, staying on the Tesla tip, as they say, uh, EV car is an interesting skill Okay, that you can basically, uh, once you uh, link it to your Tesla account, uh, you can actually get Alexa to give you the rundown on your car. Oh, I'm liking this. Uh, and there's a huge list of commands you can do once you invoke the EV car skill. Okay. Uh, one of the uh, reviewers that I've seen about this skill, the problem with it is EV car is not doesn't just roll off your tongue though. No. So it'd be nice to say, you know, hey Alexa, where's my Tesla? Yeah. But probably for copyright reasons, they can't do that. Yes. But anyways, um, you can get your charge status, you can get your climate status, you can get your location of your car, you can even get Alexa to set the driver's temperature in your car. I'm loving this because you know what? I'm uh, I'm at home a lot of times and because I'm sensitive to charging it because I'm just charging it off like a 110 volt uh, wall <laughs> adapter there. Uh, then I have to go into my app on my phone. And yes. It takes a little bit of time. Yes. Ooh, 10 seconds. I know. But it'd be nice if I could ask Alexa, how well, much charge do I have? While you're getting ready, yeah. you can get the, all this information. You can honk the horns. You can flash your lights. You can turn your climate system on. Turn it off. Cool I mean, that, that's one of the cool things about uh, the Tesla is that, yeah, I can actually have it cool down my car yeah. before I get out to it. I had a friend in Seattle with his Tesla when they had that big snowstorm. Yeah. He just had it running at like the minimum heat setting and yes. he never had to wipe his car off. Oh. Because the snow just never stuck to his car because his it car was warm. warm. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that with Alexa now. Yeah. And you can even do, dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? <laughs> um, and go into hyperdrive, which I'm really curious to find out what happens when you do that. We're going to find out. Yeah. I'm going to try this uh, this weekend. Yeah. That's cool. And so it's called again? EV car. And it works not just with Tesla, though. It does just work with Tesla. Oh, it's just Tesla. It's just a Tesla. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most Tesla owners probably have an Amazon Alexa device. Probably. Probably. Although I have, since researching this particular skill, it actually might be a, something similar on Google Assistant side as well. Okay, we'll yeah. have to try that out. Looks like that's all the time we have left here for Get Connected. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to listen to our sister show every Sunday. It's on tomorrow, Sundays from 10 to 11 here on CKW 980 and across the Chorus Radio Network, the app show. We talk about all the latest apps for your car now, uh, for your smartphone, for your tablet, for your TV, you have to check it out. Again, the app show, 10 to 11, here on CKW 980 every Sunday. This is Mike and John signing off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.